Do you want to start or you want me to? Oh, my wife needs a moment to look over my impromptu email. And uh, so, you mean to read the first one so you can look over the notes? She's going to read the first one. Is it biblically okay for a man or a woman to have a best friend of the opposite sex? Um, so, we weren't sure if this person was single or married. So, we, um, we had it for both, answers for both. Um, and... Basically, if you're single, yes, go for it. <laughs> I married my best friend, so, you know. How is she going to find a spouse if you ain't good friends with them? If, if, if they're not your best friend before you get married, you definitely don't want to be married to them. If you're single. So, you know, I mean, I don't know how you're going to find a spouse without being really good friends. And if you're not good friends, you don't know them well enough to get married to them. So, you have anything else you wanted to add to that? No. Okay. So... We had another question that is very similar but yet different. And so this one here we wanted to, you know, so the, to answer the first question very simply is, are you single or married? That's the difference. Because the second question is, is similar but yet in a different context. So if you're single, this is my encouragement. I'd, get, I'd meet as many people as I can. I'm not telling you to date 50,000 people. But how else are you going to know what you like if you don't meet different folks? You're going you're gonna to find some people that you like and you're like, I like them, they're cool, but I don't want to live with them for the rest of my life. And so you're like, you're nice, but you ain't it. You know, there was a movie years ago, and I'm not endorsing the movie, but it said something about, uh, oh, what was the title of that movie? He's Just Not That Into You, I think is what it was. Is that a movie? And, uh, you know, and sometimes if you're just not that into somebody, don't. And I've seen people do this where they just, well, they asked me, so I said, yes, that's a terrible reason to get married. That's a terrible reason to get married. We should never get married just because, I mean, it's like, hey, you want to buy a car? Well, sure. Which one? I, I don't care. <laughs> How about this Lamborghini? Well, I can't afford a quarter of a million dollar car. <laughs> you didn't ask. You know, I, I mean, there's things that you need to know. And so, uh, you know, take the time to figure out who you are compatible with. Now, let me just say this real quick on this. Well, no, I'm not going to go there because I'm going to take up too much time. Let's go to the second question. Did we, did we address if they were married? We're about to. Okay. So go ahead. Oh, you can read the question. Well, I'm lost in your notes, so. <laughs> we might need some marriage counseling right here on stage this morning. So. Okay. Is there anything wrong with being married and having a good friends of the opposite sex? Um. It's okay, but it's not wise. Uh, you know, he is ultimately my best friend, and um, I, you know, I've had I've had good guy friends, but ultimately, and still do. Yeah, and still do. But you know, most of them are married, and um, I'm better friends with their wife. Or I've grown a better relationship with their wife, and um, and he's grown better relationships with the husbands. You know. Um, I'm not saying that it's not possible and, like, say you had this friend from high school and, you know, well, they've always been my best friend. Well, there's some reason you didn't marry your best friend. So, um, <laughs> you know, you need to keep, um, you just need to be wise about it. And um, yeah. it needs to be okay with your spouse, too. If it's not, then you shouldn't go there. Yeah. If it's a problem for your spouse, it's a problem. 
That's the easiest way to answer that. And, and more than likely, if you're... I'm not, now, you know, obviously we're, I'm talking about spiritual people here, but the fact is you made a commitment to your spouse. And, and you may not have said this in your vow, but what you said is, I choose you above everybody else. When you got married, you say, I choose you. You know, and so one of the things that you have to do, especially when you're married... Now, it says here, good friends. Me and Dara have a lot of good friends, where we're good friends with other couples. Um, you know, and I'm friends with the guy, but I'm also friends with the girl. But, you know, like we, we were talking about this question, and we have a really good friend, mutual friends. Uh, we've been on vacation with them. They're good friends of ours. But Dara is actually, initially was closer with him because she was in the worship music ministry. He was in the worship music ministry. And, and so they have a, she's probably closer to him by virtue and we've of. we've grown up Right, we've together. grown up together. And so, right? yeah. And, and so, but she has worked at building a relationship with his wife. Now, let me give you an example of what I mean by this. She doesn't, his name is Chris. She doesn't call Chris and say, hey, you want to go grab lunch? Wow. We're friends. She doesn't do that. What she does is she calls Kristen, his wife, and says, hey, let's go get lunch. And if we all are, you know, and if even, and we, and you know, we're, these are good friends of ours. We typically get together together, or it's me and him. Me and him used to play tennis together. Her and Kristen would get together. You know, and so, you know, that's part of how we facilitate that and work that. But if, it's a, if you have a relationship that is causing tension or a problem for your spouse, you need to find out why. Now, it's not necessarily, like, I'll just be honest, I, I my background, Dara, I'm the only guy that Dara ever really dated. Uh, she, she's really never had a relationship with anybody other than me. Um, as far as, you know, she was protected in a lot of ways. Her parents had a lot of safeguards in place. So I'm very thankful for that. I did not have those safeguards. I dated a lot, had a lot of girlfriends. I was a cheater, had been cheated on. So needless to say, uh, I was a bit possessive. And uh, not very trusting. And so by no fault of her own, if a guy halfway looked at her, I had a problem. Well, how many of you know it wasn't her problem? The problem was me. And I had to allow the Lord to help me to grow and to learn. And really it was my own sins that were causing the problem. And so it's not that she was the problem in having bad guys. I mean, when we were dating, I remember uh, specifically there was one guy who really pursued her. I wanted to take him out behind the woodshed, you know. I mean, that kind of deal. Because I had, it was still the Lord's early stages of working on me. And, uh, you know, and, and we've had those moments, uh, you know, that we have to, and you do have to set boundaries. That's really uh, the thing. And, um, you know, your, your spouse has to be first and foremost above all other relationships. Let me add this, even above your birth family. Your spouse comes before your family now. You've got a new family. Mom and daddy's opinion can stay at their house. I don't mean that wrongly. If you get in a fight, it stays between you two. Don't call your mom and your dad, your brother and your sister, your whoever. It stays between you two. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't get godly counsel from people. No, you do. But you can't... Let me say it this way. And I'm going I'm to make it graphic, but it'll still be clean. You understand what I'm saying? Don't invite people into your bedroom. And don't allow mama to stand in the corner of your bedroom. Don't allow daddy to have an opinion in your bedroom. In other words, private conversations need to stay private. Why? Because that protects your marriage and it protects trust in that marriage. And even outside of friends. Well, and it, it keeps uh, 
you know, I mean, you may be venting or, oh, we have this relationship. My dad understands. My mom understands. They're not going to look at them different. It does change their opinion of that person. And so um, whether you think so or not, I mean, their opinion will change of that person. And you don't want to hinder, you know, your marriage in the future. Yeah. Well, because that's the thing. Any advice, once you've shared certain facts, any advice moving forward will be tainted. We're all human. You know, and so, you know, you just have to be careful. And so your spouse, uh, for that matter, because it says, is there anything wrong with having good friends? No. But this is where I would say is a boundary. Anytime that you're sharing more in confidence with another human other than your spouse, you're in trouble. You are setting yourself up for trouble. And so it's not that you can't have confidants. It's not that you can't have people that you speak with. But your spouse is outside of the Lord, number one, above your kids, above your family, above your job, above your friends. Your spouse is number one. And so you don't want to open the door to the devil. You have to be very careful, especially if you're sharing more with that friend. If you're telling them something that you wouldn't tell your spouse, be careful. Because the, the enemy will see that. And, and that's a, that, that will drive a wedge. And he'll just keep driving that wedge and keep driving that wedge until you begin to come apart. So you have to be careful and guard that. So anything else? Okay. We can go with the next one. We can answer that one quickly. Okay. It won't take too long. Um, my spouse causes... Uh, cusses. I'm sorry. <laughs> my spouse cusses at me and our child, and it's really frustrating. It's affecting us, and our child is acting up on the bus and at school. Um, so, what do you have to say to that? You don't have anything? <laughs> okay. I'm trying to defer here. So, well, you know, I, I mean, I think that there's, this is pretty simple for me. Um, you know, uh, when I got saved, one of the first things the Lord dealt with me about was my mouth and what I said. Um, because I could make a sailor blush at times. Uh, with the types of things that I would say and talk and just, you know, that was actually one of the, the hallmarks of one of the things that one of my good friends said about me when I got saved. Because they said, what changed? And I said, well, I what are you talking about? And I said, how did you know? And they told me, they said, because you talk differently. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that it just supernaturally changed, but I had to, you know, uh, you know, I had to begin to think differently and ask the Lord to help me. And it didn't take a long time, but it did take, I mean, we're talking about over the span of, three or four months, um, but the Lord helped me. And, uh, you know, and so here's the thing, though, especially with this one here, because obviously this is speaking of a family and there's a child involved. And anytime that there's children involved, I kind of perk up uh, because you are shaping a child. You're shaping a life in the next 5, 10, 15 years that they will be for the next 60, 70 years. And so those formative years are very important. Um, there's a, a, a famous saying that I've has always challenged me very much is that I teach what I know, but I reproduce who I am. And that's why character matters. That's why integrity matters. Because I can teach all day long, but ultimately my son will be a, a variation or a version of who I am, not what I know. And so I have to live what I know if I want him to know what I know and to live what I know. And not that I'm perfect in any way. I'm still growing and I want to learn and do things. You know, Ephesians 4.29 in the Amplified Bible says this. It says, let no foul or polluting language nor evil word or unwholesome or worthless talk ever come out of your mouth. It says, but only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress. 
We are spiritual people. How many of you are believers? You're Christians. Only speak that is which is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others and is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be a blessing and give grace to those who hear it. So if you're a spouse, and I don't know, I mean, I honestly don't know if this is a, a husband or a wife, which side of it is, but it really doesn't matter. The fact is that if you're talking to your spouse in a mean, spirited, hateful term, which if you're using curse words towards them, I would venture to say you are. The Bible says that's not right and that it's polluting. And it says that you need to, you know, uh, I, believe it's the, I believe it's in Proverbs where it says, put a guard around my mouth. You know, it's that, it's that old rule, if you can't got nothing nice to say, just don't say nothing at all. And the thing is, it's, it's affecting your marriage. You're like, oh, it's just words. Words carry weight. God created everything with words outside of man. He, create, he formed us. All of creation was made with words. We are creative beating, beings. If you want to tear your, your household apart, keep it up. You're tearing it down brick by brick. Um, you know, and you're like, well, I don't know what to do, and I just get angry. Then ask the Lord to deal with your anger. That's what I had to do. I mean, the Bible talks about the fruit of the Spirit being self-control. That means you can control the words of your mouth. Go read James 3. Should fresh water and, and polluted water come out of the same spring? He said, absolutely not. So, I, you know, I'm not saying that to, but, uh, to condemn you in any way. But what I am saying is you need to understand the weight of what you're doing and the weight of the moment. And, you know, if you, if, if, you know, and I don't know, uh, that's the problem with some of these, answering some of these questions, we don't know the specific details. But if you have a spouse who isn't a believer, what do you do in that case? I'm, let me just answer that real quick because uh, if it's a believer, it's pretty simple. You can go to them according to Scripture and say, hey, this is a behavior that I see that's affecting our child. It's affecting our marriage. It's affecting our home. This is an area that we need to believe God together about. Don't, don't isolate them and make them out like they're the problem. If they're not a believer. Now, if they don't listen to you, then I would go find a trusted person, preferably. Let's just, I'm just going to use that as an example. So either side, you can apply this. If it's the man who has this behavior, then I would encourage you to find a spiritual godly man who he respects who can sit down and talk with him. Somebody that he would listen to and receive from. And you're like, well, I don't have anybody. Then call me. If they're in my church, I'm their pastor. And what that means to me is I have a right to speak into your life if I'm your pastor. You've given me that right by by doing that. And so, um, but if there are other men that you know that are godly men that can speak to them, go to them first. Um, you know, and, and pray and ask the Lord to help them. Ask the Lord to soften their heart, um, you know, and love them the, to, with all that you have and believing God to change the circumstances, situation because it is affecting a child. So, is that good? Okay. Yeah. Okay. The next question, um, it says, uh, why is it that today's husbands are putting too much on spouses and not willing to help when asked? Um, I don't know if you want to address the man side, and then I'll. That's fine. Address Go ahead and read the other one too, because they're um, practically. Okay, so there's similar. two questions similar. Um, why are there so many men in the church today that expect their wives to do it all? Bills, kids, house, pets, appointments, work, yard work, etc. Why won't they man up? Ooh. Ooh. Now let me just before you answer, let me just say this. 
Just the tone of the second question tells me a lot. Just the tone. And look, and it was written, so I didn't hear tone. I see tone. And so, um, you know, and I, I believe Darius will speak to this a little bit. It, it, obviously, this was written from a woman because she's referring to men. Now, if you're a man here and you want to know what I think men should do, I just preached a series a couple weeks ago called Embracing the Grind. I would encourage you to listen to it. I would encourage, why? Because we were created to be productive. And that's not just, well, I work a job and I'm done. If you fathered kids, you have a responsibility. If you married a woman, you have responsibility. And if you have to go to bed exhausted every night, God will give you strength. If you, if you never go to bed tired as a man, something's wrong, quite frankly. Because we were built to carry a burden. And now, it's, now, there's grace for that burden. It's not like it's weighing me down and freaking me out and all those things. But as men, we do have to have and take our rightful roles uh, in those things. But there are some... Obviously, but with that being said, there's also a tone here, you know, that we have to be careful of. So I'm going to let you speak to the women's side. That way I don't get in trouble. (laughs) Well, I would say for that, um, you know, it's all about tone a lot of times. And are you allowing him to step up and lead? Um, Some of us women, I mean, now, you know, you're fighting, you're like... Well, we can do it all. We can do this. We can do that. And, and you have kind of get into this mode, well, I want it done this way. Um, sometimes you're very particular about things. And if the husband's not doing it right, then you just want to do it yourself. And I can do it better. Da, 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 you know, whatever. Um, but this is saying, you know, you want him to step up and lead. Obviously, he's not leading. And um, are can you allowed? something there? Yeah. Sometimes, depending on personalities, why should I lead if she will? It's a passiveness, which is quite honestly the original sin. But many times, a man won't step into his place if a woman stands in that place because it's just easier. Mm. So, I'll just add that. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot to do with personalities too. If if one is more passive and one's more aggressive, you know, it's it has a lot to do with personalities. But, um, I mean, I'm strong at home and and you know i have my own way <laughs> about things and she's got a backbone don't worry I do. <laughs> so um you know i i put on this this front a lot of times <laughs> but um i am i am strong and some of the things you got to it's how you address him i mean one of man's greatest needs is respect yeah. they need to be respected and they need to be honored and if they, you want them to be the head of the household, which that is the rightful place. They should be head of the household. But um, you've got, allow, got to allow him to be that leader and encourage him and be there for him when he's down and, and come alongside him. And um, there's got to be some encouragement there. And it's all in how you do that, not by manipulating, not by prodding, not by nagging, you know, and as women, you know, we try everything sometimes to get it to, to get them to do something, you know, and um, sometimes you just need to step back and look at how you're presenting yourself, how, how it's coming out, how it's coming across, and even if it's 
the nicest thing said, but it has this nasty tone to it. You know, well, you, well, thanks. I'm glad you took out the trash, but that's not what I would have done. And you didn't get this. And then, yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? I, <laughs> at least praise the effort that's going on. You know, if there is, even if it's the smallest step, you've got to look at that and and give some encouragement there and pray, pray, pray. And over time, you'll see it change. Um, all, it's all in your attitude towards it and your perception towards it. And um, you've got to honor, respect, and pray behind the scenes and watch God change it. And you keep putting kindness out there, putting kindness out there. God will give you the grace. His grace is sufficient for whatever situation it is. Um, and let Watch him change his heart, you know. Well, I think, too, um, you know, one of the other things uh, about this is that, and we're really in an interesting um, culture uh, as far as that manhood as a whole has been increasingly diminished for decades. Um, But that also doesn't, you know, God did not bring Darian into my life for me to dominate her. And anytime one spouse is dominating, there's problems. Marriage is a partnership. It's an agreement between two people. If I have to dominate her, that is wrong in anything. And I don't care if you're the female or the male. If one spouse dominates, it's biblically out of order. Why? Because the Bible talks about serving one another, submitting to one another. Ephesians 5, it says, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. So I submit to dare. I'll give you all just a little funny thing because it actually relates to one of these things. We have trash day at my house. It's Tuesday night. Why? Because the trash, no, Monday night, Monday night. And we're like, okay, it's trash time. And everybody gets up and goes and picks up the trash from around the house. Why? Because we do it as a family. We all made the mess. It's all of our trash. And so there's certain things. Darren kind of has her routine of things she goes and does. I have things I go and get, and then I take it all down to the road. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's the same even with dishes, and it's the same with other things. It's the same with certain things. You know, I mean, she I would say predominantly, the majority of the time, Darren washes dishes. Majority of the time. Because she, she likes a really nice, clean kitchen, which I appreciate. But there are also times that I just do the dishes as well. It doesn't matter. I mean, maybe she's had a long day. She's been home with Max, and he's been kind of off the charts that day, and I can tell she's tired. Then, hey, I ought to take some initiative and serve my wife. See, that's loving my wife. Maybe it's cleaning up around the house and doing things that, well, I didn't make this mess, but I need to serve my wife well. And I want to serve her in a way that would honor God. And so even as a husband, I need to love her. The Bible gives me the instruction as a husband and, and for you husbands that I need to love her and cherish her, that I'm to treat her like with delicate hands. Not to be harsh, not to be ugly, but to serve. And if I'm tired, that's not an excuse to not serve. Ephesians 5 says I'm to lay down my life, and I would say it this way, I'm to give my life away to her and for her. And that's important, man, because if, if we lead well, our families will be well. 
It doesn't mean that, that my wife is secondary to me. We are equal. We are 50-50 partners in life. I don't spend money without talking to her. She doesn't spend money without talking to me. We have joint accounts. We don't have separate checking accounts. If I can't trust her with my money and everything that I own, I got bigger problems. You know, and so some of these things. And so, you know, marriage is a, (coughs) excuse me, marriage is a partnership. And here's, and this is something that I kind of was just writing down in my notes, is that marriage is the joining of two people committed to serving, caring, and loving one another. And there are times that one will serve more than the other. You know, I'll give you an example of this. And I didn't ask them to use this example, but I know they won't mind. Angie works for a CPA. How do you know, come April... Joey might need to step up a little bit and do a little bit more around the house. He might have to do some things he normally wouldn't do. Why? Because she's working from 7 and 8 in the morning till 10, 11, 12 at night. So she comes home and just wants to pass out. He might have to take her dinner at work. What's inconvenient? I'm tired. I've been working all day. But he needs to love her well, even though she's working. Now, if a, you know, whether your wife works or doesn't work, that's up to you guys. I'm not saying that everybody should work. If your spouse wants to work, let them work. But it has to be an an agreement and an understanding. Hey, we're going to love well. And anytime that it's one-sided, it's destructive. It's a partnership. I mean, that's why, I mean, you know, you go back to the very beginning when God created Eve. What did he, what what was the reason? Man needed help. (laughs) He needed some help. And so God made Eve to help Adam. And quite frankly, Eve was not made for Adam. That's a that's a misconception. They were made for one another. Amen. Eve was not there to help Adam and to make Adam better and to do all this stuff for him and to be all these great things. She was there. They were made for companionship. For friendship. I mean, you know, and so it's important that we keep those things in mind. But whether it's on the women's side or the, or the men's side. Men, you know, Darius said this, a man's greatest need is, is respect and honor. Well, a woman's greatest need is security. Well, her security for me is that I'm here for you. And it doesn't matter what it costs me. I will do whatever it is to meet your need. And if that means that I can't do this, this, and this, if it means I miss the football game, I miss the football game. If it means that I don't go hunt today or I don't go fish today or I don't go hang out with my buddies today, if it's important to you, it's important to me. And so I will willingly lay down my life like Jesus did for my wife, above even what I want to do. And that's my responsibility as a husband. And we are equal partners in life together. You know, I've always said this, and maybe this is more real for me because of how we've lived life is I've now made about four or five major moves. In other words, over state lines. There's only two people that have ever moved with me. Ever. That's her and my dog. (laughs) You know, I mean, just being honest. My parents didn't go with me. My friends didn't go with me. Nobody else went with me. But she's been with me. Now I realize not everybody moves like we have because of just the way God has led our life. But at the end of the day, it's about you and your spouse. And so whatever you've got to do to fix these, these areas, and, and, and quite practically, speaking to the wife, if this is your question and you're overwhelmed, you need to communicate this in very clear, real terms to your husband. I need help. 
I understand that you're tired. Well, I appreciate what you do. I would say with that, it's, it's finding the right moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's the biggest thing for us is you wait for the right moment and then have those heart-to-heart conversations. Um, and and be honest about it. Don't try to, you know, well, I can, I can do this. I can, you know, work it out or whatever. But you need to really be honest at, about where you're at um, with them. Yep. Okay. Probably spent too much time on that, but let's go. She says yes. <laughs> Move on. Um, do you want to go on with that or do you want one of those? No. We're going to answer all these first. Okay. These have priority. Okay. They send them to me first. You want me to read it? Sure. Okay. Uh, we have two questions, and they're similar, um, so I'm going to read them both. It says, how does one repair a dead marriage, and what are some tips to revitalize a dead or boring marriage? It's an honest question. That's why I love this kind of stuff. People will be real. Mm-hmm. I would say um, we went through a time where um, it felt like we were roommates. How um, long do you think we'd been married? We've, when that happened? Six, seven years? Yeah. Something like that. About seven years, I guess. Um, and we we both love doing ministry and um, being busy. So we had just gotten busy with a lot of things and just honestly just um, busy with other things and not with each other and um, just lived in the house together, it seemed like, you know. Um, and we're still doing the right things. We're still doing ministry. We're still doing things for God. It's not like there was... You know, but we just kind of... Uh, we were co-workers. Yeah, good co-workers. We were co-workers who lived together. <laughs> so there was no, uh, you know, romance or, or that kind of thing. It just was... was I dull. mean, we loved each other. It's not like that That wasn't the case. But the fact was yeah. we were more shoulder to shoulder than face to face. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? We were working shoulder to shoulder, but there wasn't much intimacy, face relationship happening. We're just busy. Yeah. You know, and so, um, go ahead. So, I, you know, I, I think that um, the enemy can come in, come in at times um, when you allow things like that to happen, um, when you allow that distance to come in. Uh, that's when the enemy will open a door uh, for something to happen. And yeah, um, that old flame will send you a message on Facebook all of a sudden. <laughs> You're like, why now? Yeah. Oh, this could be the devil. Yeah. So, uh, during that time, uh, there was a guy that, uh, um, tried to, I mean, how would you say it? A complete stranger. Complete stranger. Who was a guy from out of town, sent her a message on Facebook, who was a Christian, who, you know, was just here, he was there working, he actually worked for a particular channel, and said, hey, I see that you're a youth pastor at a church, I would love to come visit your church and meet your husband, and blah, blah, blah. Well, if that was the case, why didn't you message me? Because my name and my picture are on her page, Joker. (laughs) But at the time, you know, I mean, we were just like, you know, I I didn't, I don't know. I don't know why I didn't see it, like, you know, straight on. But I had a problem with it, quite frankly. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I'm like, hey, this guy wants to come to church. He's going to be here, you know. And and we're talking um, about his job and stuff. And he did missions work and things like that. And and so, um, I mean... Nothing got anywhere. <laughs> there was nothing. Uh, My response was, I know several good churches he can go visit. <laughs> there was and nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but uh, he he did come to uh, he did come to church. Uh, he did once. Yeah, he did once, and so. <laughs> I think, and we went out to eat uh, with him one time, I think. Yeah? Yeah. Um. <laughs> the Lord w- must have been working good on me that day. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, so we, it was just this whole, I'm just saying that the devil opened doors when you. Um, when and that you, was a wake-up call for me, by the way. Yeah. When you let that distance come in. Mm-hmm. And um, so you don't want to leave doors open to the, the enemy. And this is our, you know, right here is the number one priority. You know, mm-hmm. God first and then our spouse. And um, you got to keep keep that in mind. And yep. so if it's dead or boring marriage, um, you need to find those little things. I mean, you married this person for some reason. There was a spark there at one point, you know, and there was life and love at one point. And so go back to, you know, go back to your first love, you know, yeah. how, how it first started. And uh, those things that, you know, when you were dating and um, the little things you might have did for each other. Yeah. You know that person inside and out, you know, I mean, you know what they like and it's the little things it's the little choices each day and you've got to start somewhere so i would say each day that you wake up you know is there something special i can do for them you know is there something that i can um show them some way i can show them that uh, i love them and mm-hmm. um it's a big deal on how that person receives love because uh david receives love a completely different way than i receive love um he likes acts of service. So if I keep the house clean, I keep his office clean. If Max terrorizes the whole you know, office and books are everywhere and then I left it, that just, oof. <laughs> I had it the way I wanted it for a reason. You know. But if he comes home and it's clean and things are in the right place. Um, I'm OCD, by the way, in that, case you don't know. That helps him. You know, that that's love to him. And um, so... That shows him love. Uh, for me, I like hugs and kisses, and I like gifts, and so that's kind of my. Um, so it gifts is like I'm not. It's not materialistic. It's like he could bring me a pack of M and M's home. You know, it's not. <laughs> it's the fact that I thought about her. Exactly. I will so, send text to her. Yeah. How's your day? Mm-hmm. Because I'm gone. You know, I'm out doing stuff, and I'm busy or whatever. How's How's Max doing today? How are you doing today? Just thinking about you. Love you. That's affection to her. Now, me, I don't really get it. I'm like, why is my phone going off again? Quit texting, you know. But for her, that's how she receives love. Well, I don't have to understand it. I just have to do it, right? And it's just the fact that she knows that she's on my mind. That I'm being considerate of her. That when I am eating lunch, I may call her. Hey, how's your day? What's going on? Is there anything you need me to do? Do I need to bring anything home? Most time before I come home, I'll either text her or call her. Hey, do you need me to get you anything? Do you want a coat? Do you want an icy? They're little things. M&M's and ICs get lots of points for me with Derek, quite honestly. <laughs> so, I mean, when she says gifts, we're not talking about jewelry. Quite frankly, I think I've bought her jewelry twice, ever. Because she's picky about certain things. And Jewelry ain't cheap, and I ain't wasting no money, and because uh, I'm too cheap for that. 
And, uh, you know, and, and so I, we're not talking about extravagant things. Um, you know, but it is being thoughtful uh, about little things. And those things matter. Sometimes it's, hey, I know you're tired and I just got home and, hey, I'm going to cook dinner. I'm going to throw some hot dogs on the grill because that's quick and easy. But I know she's tired and now she hasn't even thought about dinner yet. And I'm, you know, and I could come home and stomp around and be like, my dinner's supposed to be ready and act like an idiot. And it happens. And there's days, but it's like, you know, huh? There is days. Sure. And then there's days that she'll text me and say, hey, do you want so-and-so? And I'm like, that sounds amazing. And she's like, all right, when you get home, you can watch Max so I can cook. I'm like, that's a deal. You know, I mean, but we work it out. And so there's little things like that. And so I think part of this question, you know, there's little things. You know, one of the things that Dara had to help me learn. How many of you know you have to teach your spouse how to love you? You have to help them because we're different. We're wired. I mean, we're men, we're women, very different. But we're also wired different personality-wise. I used to, uh, like, Dara would hold my hand, like, here. And I would just be there. And she's like, I need life. That's what she'd tell me. (laughs) She's like, I need life. And I'm like, well, my hand's right there. I'm holding your hand. And she's like, but yeah, hold my hand like you want to. (laughs) Hug me like you mean it. You know, I'll give her a kiss or something, and she's like, that ain't a kiss? Like, what is that? Like, you kiss your mom like that. Like, you give me a real, you know, I mean, and, and what she's saying, I need you to act interested. It's not my love language, it is hers. So, I've had to learn to step outside of myself and serve her well. And I'm not perfect at it. I'm still learning. Trust me. You can say amen. You can wave a hanky if you need to. Or a towel, a beef towel. You know. But this is what I would say about this question. And I have a few thoughts. So I'm just going to, basically, I'm just going to read to you what I wrote. Um, is that fairy tales give us the picture that you meet somebody, you fall in love, and that you live happily ever after. That's what we see. I mean, from the time we're, especially for the ladies... They, you know, it's Cinderella when you're a kid and then you get into, you know, chick flicks as you get older and it's this, you're going to get swept off your feet and you just go live happily ever after. And it's complete bliss. How many of you know those are movies, not reality? And, and so the reality is, is that relationships are work. Relationships take time. Relationships take investment. And so great mes- marriages are not two perfect people with perfect circumstances fulfilling each other's needs completely. If that's what you're looking for, you're looking for a unicorn. It it don't exist. First off, there's no two perfect people and nobody has perfect circumstances and nobody can fulfill you completely. Nobody can. Why? Because you're trying to find a person to be God. And if you find that person, you will worship them like God. They will become an idol to you. Which is idolatry. That's worship of a person. No person can fulfill you. I mean there was a, a time. Uh, even in mine and Dare's relationship. Where um, she was really uh, looking to me. For certain fulfillment. And I just kept telling her. Babe I can't fix this. This is something between you and the Lord. And I just had to keep lovingly reminding her. That I can't fulfill every part of you. Like, I, I can only do what I can do. But also, and, and for a while I tried, and I finally came to the realization, I'm trying to be God, which was sin on my part. To try to fill every part of her life. 
doesn't mean that I don't try in every way that I can, but I also have to recognize that there are things that I just can't touch. So, this is how I define a great marriage. Not just a good one, but a great marriage comes from two imperfect people who are willing (laughs) to be committed to one another, who roll up their sleeves to do the hard things, and who refuse to quit. So, it's two imperfect people. I realize she's imperfect, but so am I. But we are committed to one another, and we're willing to roll up our sleeves and have the hard conversations to do the hard things, to make the hard adjustments. And we also refuse to quit. This is what I know, till death do us part. I'm committed. I'm all in. There is no alternative, extra door, back door, way out, slip out, look for option B. I stood before God and before my friends and my family that I committed to her. So I refuse to quit. And here's the goal. Is that I'm going to come out the back side of this thing and we're going to be best friends. We came in it as best friends and we're going to leave it as best friends. That's my goal. I don't want anybody else closer to me than her. And so, you know, so let me kind of add, let me... um, Speak to this as well because the questions are specifically, uh, how does one repair a dead, dead marriage or what are some tips to revitalize a boring marriage? Number one, I would say, is there's going to have to be some forgiveness because more than likely there's some, yeah. some bitterness, some frustration, some anger that has built up over time. And you're going to have to forgive your spouse uh, more than likely on both sides because there's going to be some things that you've been let down on or maybe some expectations that weren't met. So you're going to have to forgive. That's the first place you've got to start. The next thing I would say uh, is you've got to spice it up a little bit. You've got to do something different. Amen. You know, you get in your routines and things. Life becomes daily. You've got to spice things up. You've got to, I mean, do something different. You know, I mean, you go to the same place. You do the same things. I mean, you know, you go with the same people. You, you've got to change it up. When you were dating, you didn't do the same thing every time. Hopefully not. And if you're still doing the same thing you did when you were dating, you might need to change it up a little bit. <laughs> Especially if you're looking for a different result. Einstein said that it's insanity to do the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result. If you want a different result, do something different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, do what you got to do. And you're like, well, but we don't have money. It's not about money. We're not saying to spend a bunch of money. What I am saying is to do something differently. Do the, Dare shared about this earlier. It says, do the small things to share or to show each other how much you care daily. Be honest about your feelings and your needs. Amen. If you need something, you've got to be honest. Dare had to tell me, I need you to hug me. I need you to tell me that you love me. You know, there's an old man one time and somebody, his wife was, they went for counseling with somebody. And they'd been married a long time. And she said, I just don't even know if he loves me. And he, his response was, well, I told you when I married you, didn't I? I mean, if you know that, don't fly. No, there's got to be some reaffirming. And hey, I, I am still in love with you. I don't just love this woman. I'm still in love with her. Which is different. There's a big difference. So, spice it up a little bit. Be honest about your feelings. Be honest about your needs. Pursue each other um, the way you did when you were dating. Go out of your way to make the effort. And that's especially for us guys. Men, we've got to be more initiative. Women are responders by nature. Men are are initiators. Many times if I don't like what Dara's doing, I need to change how I'm initiating with her. 
as an example. If she's sharp and short with me, it's probably because I've been a jerk. Or said something in a rude or, or not been considerate of her. If I will be considerate of her, it will soften her tone towards me. So I initiate, she responds. Would you agree with that? So, um, so practically speaking, uh, here's, and really, I mean, it, it, it really weighs heavy on my heart about uh, even with the question when somebody says, how do you repair a dead marriage? Um, now, assuming that both of the partners in this marriage are believers, but even if they're not, this would still apply. Uh, I believe praying together. That, that you voice that, hey, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to our marriage, and I don't want this thing to fall apart. It's not where I want it to be, and I want it to change, and I'm committed to doing what it takes to change it. If we need to go sit down with somebody for counsel, we need to go sit down with somebody for counsel. There's no shame in that. What you're doing is you're fighting for your marriage by doing that. And if that's what you need, that's what you need. Sometimes you need a third person or somebody who's outside of the circle to be able to say, hey, y'all both need to calm down a little bit on these things. But pray together and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. To restore the love that you once had for one another and follow his leadings. It's not just enough to pray. At some point, you've got to put action to your prayer. Um, you know, I, as I was thinking about this and just kind of praying about it, this uh, passage of Scripture came to mind. It comes out of Ezekiel 37, uh, verse 1. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out to, um, in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. It says, and he caused me to pass around amongst them, and behold, there were very many human bones in the open valley, in the plain, and behold, they were very dry. So these weren't fresh bones. These were dry bones. This was a field of death, quite honestly, is what we're looking at here. And he said to me in verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, only you know. In verse 4, now this is important, I want you to hear this. In verse 4, he says, to me, God didn't say this. He's speaking to Ezekiel, a man, and says, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the words of the Lord. Thus says the the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath and spirit to enter you and you shall live. So speaking directly to the question, how do you repair a dead marriage? You need to begin to speak words of life into that marriage. Because God would ask you the question, can this marriage live again? Yes. But who did the speaking in this example? It wasn't God. God did the work, but he needed a man to speak it. Now that's man as in manhood. You're going to have to begin to speak and declare what you do not see. The Bible says that by faith, we speak what we do not see as though it is real fact. So... Practically, I may be angry with her, but I will say I love her with all of my heart. You may be in a place where you're bitter. I'm not bitter, and I love them, and I'm going to pray for them. And I would encourage you to pray together, to pray for one another, to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Because here's the good news. We serve a God who is faithful and a God who restores, a God who can redeem time, a God who heals wounds. God can, will, and does restore. That's what salvation is, by the way. It's a work of restoration. It's a bringing us back to God. So God, I mean, if God still saves people, God still restores people. God can restore your, your marriage and your life. But you're going to have, but it's spiritual first. This isn't just natural, well, they're on my nerves. 
How many of you know that we rarely argue and fight about what we actually are arguing and fighting about? As a teenager, I can remember my parents arguing about the Christmas tree and my mom making the statement, do we need to go see the divorce lawyer? And I'm laying on the ground as a 15-year-old kid going, are y'all really about to get divorced over the Christmas tree? Because I'll throw it out the door. I can solve this problem real quick. Y'all ain't going nowhere. This tree's going somewhere. <laughs> How many of you know it wasn't about the Christmas tree? So you've got to recognize, and you've got to recognize the enemy at work. You've got to recognize, man, this is the enemy working and trying to tear us apart. Why? The Bible says the thief comes for three purposes. To steal, to kill, to destroy. If it ain't good, it ain't God. So you have to pay attention. And God can restore. And God will. But we have to work with him. And we have to work with one another. We have to love one another. To partner with one another. Praying together is a huge start. Do you have anything to add? Well, and I would say looking at yourself first. Mm-hmm. They're always the problem. It's all he did it, you know. But you got to look at yourself first, because usually when I'm upset with him, there's something not right, you know, not with me and God. You know, it's like okay, God's been talking to me on this, and I need to deal with that instead of thinking it's his his fault or you know taking it out on him. And um, I think a lot of times we're unhappy with some some other area, and we take it out on our spouse um, when it's something in us internally and we need to get with the Holy Spirit on that and work through it before we just take it out on them. Well, okay, so here, here's a live question on the fly. Off the, flying off the hip here, but it goes along with this question. It says, in trying to rekindle a marriage or get in a good place, if you never started out dating, just got together and are now married, but not really knowing uh, that other person, how do you uh, get to start actually knowing that person and show them love um, and that you don't want this to end. I think quite honestly, you've got to start by praying. And you've and you got to find out who each other are. Now, you know, let me answer a question for you. How do you know you re- marry the right person? Whose name's on your marriage certificate? That'll settle that debate. If you're married to them, in God's eyes, you're in. Uh, you know, I mean, unless there's biblical reasons for a split, you made a vow. I commit to you in sickness and in health. For better or for worse. I mean, we're in it. I commit myself to you. And so even if there wasn't that, you know, maybe it was rushed. Maybe it was just a short time of marriage. May, or, uh, you know, it was just kind of a, you know, there's lots of reasons. Um, you know, I don't, obviously I have no idea about the background. I know nothing about this. But uh, I've also seen it where people get a divorce and want to go quickly, or a little too quickly into the next marriage. And so they jump from one marriage into another rush, not really knowing the person. And, but there's going to be some, some issues. That, but the thing is, you've got to be friends. You can't be best friends with somebody you ain't friends with. So you've got to be friends first. Share interests. I mean, I went to a ballet with Dara when we dated. I could care less about the stupid ballet. But he went. But I went. But she's also been to ball games with me. She watches football with me. I did disc golf. She did disc golf. With, I, mean, I even got you know, my own disc. <laughs> she did. I mean, we do things that each other likes. I go and walk around the mall in circles for hours. I call it grazing because we're going to come through the same stores two or three times. We don't just walk. I'm just like, just buy it. We can always bring it back. She likes to go. She likes to travel. And I like to travel just fine. But, you know, I mean, she likes to do certain things. And it's like, you know, she's like, slow down and smell the roses. I'm like, I'm on a time crunch. 
Google said I can make it there in five hours. I got to get there in less than five hours. Take a picture of those flowers. We ain't got time to stop. I'm on a schedule. We got to enjoy the journey, right? So I've got to learn to slow down. And sometimes I got to not look at the clock. Why? Because that's something that she enjoys. And I'm all about, I got to I got to set like land speed records here. I mean, I'm counting to the second. Stopwatches running. We ain't got time to go to the bathroom. I'm going to stop and fill up for gas. And if you ain't in the car when I get done filling up, you should be able to empty your tank by the time I fill this tank or I'm going to leave you. Like, that's me. And so, I'm just be, y'all think I'm joking. Y'all think I'm joking. I had that rule on youth trips. I'm like, 15 of y'all better get out and be back in here before I fill this tank up. He had the kids so scared that they would text me. Do you have to go to the bathroom? Because I really do. <laughs> That's what I called efficiency. They actually had a nickname for me. And they called me the P-Nazi. But he has I wore grown. that badge proud. He has grown over the years. And now we have learned to enjoy trips. I'm not as uptight as I used to be. So to answer, go back to the question. You got to be friends first. You got to share some interest. Y'all gonna have to. You may hate it. You may think it's stupid. I, mean, I used to tell Derek, I want you to just fake like you're excited that LSU's winning. And so now this is no joke. Now I mean I'm dead serious. So in a way to do that, I said every time LSU scores, I'm gonna give you a kiss. And guess what? All of a sudden she was invested. She's like, "Come on, LSU! Come on! Score!" And you know what? She'd sit there and watch the game with me, and we were celebrate. And you know, it became kind of a funny thing that we got to share together. And guess what? She got to watch the game with me, and she got affection that she wanted, and it was a win-win. And I would sit close to her because you can't kiss somebody who ain't close to you. Right? So I'm not just saying, well, awesome, she's involved in my thing. I'm thinking, how can I engage her in what I'm enjoying where she enjoys it? And it's not just her. Well, I'm buying my time. Good Lord, is this game really four hours? You know? <laughs> So I'm finding ways to help engage, and she does the same thing with me. Um, so you gotta you gotta be friends. I mean, you're married at this point. You gotta start with a friendship. You're gonna have to trust God, believe God, ask the Lord to show you who He's created them to be. Show them how to love them. Show them, you know, all of those things uh, that you can do, and, and your relationship will grow. And, and so that's the thing that you've got to do. It takes time. But it can be a great marriage. It doesn't mean that this has to be the end or this is just, well, we're just suffering until Jesus comes. Marriage, let me say this. God did not institute marriage for suffering. He didn't. He instituted it as a blessing and an addition to our life. And, and so you got to know that. Okay, a couple other questions. We're going to answer these a little quicker. We're running out of time, but I only have two, so... Um, are there seasons of life when it's okay to focus on your marriage and set other important things aside to build your marriage? Yes. You can't set your kids aside. You can't set your work aside. There are certain things you can't set aside. Now, also, you can't set church aside. Well, we're going to build our marriage. We're going to pray together at home. I get it. 
I mean, me and Derek are on vacations. We go on trips. I understand that. And there's times for that. And I don't want to guilt you into church. Quite frankly, if you don't want to be here, I don't want you here. I, I don't mean that ugly. But if you're not happy to be here, you're going to make other people unhappy to be here. So I don't take it like that. But at the same time, there are certain priorities that are non-negotiables. If you have kids, you don't get to ignore them. And say, Mommy and Daddy are working on their marriage. <laughs> now, I mean, if they're teenagers, you might say, Mom and Dad are going on a date night, and y'all going to stay home. Y'all, I'm going to order y'all pizza, and y'all going to get along. And if you don't, there are going to be some consequences. And don't you dare call me. Y'all get along. Everybody better be alive when we get here, but don't call me. We are going for a date, right? So, but yes, there are things, though. There may be hobbies. There may be things that you set aside for a time. You might be really into, I mean, I'll just use this as an example. You might be really into a motorcycle riding. You might be into, uh, I don't know, golfing. You might be into different things. Uh, and there may be certain hobbies that you need to give away for a time and set aside. Because, ho- let me say this, hobbies are optional. Everybody needs hobbies. Everybody needs things we enjoy. Yours might be fishing, but you might not go fishing or you might not go out to the hunting lease. Or you might not go shopping. You may not do certain things that you enjoy because you're giving that attention and that focus to your spouse. And you're spending that time together. And, and so, uh, yeah, but there's definitely times that, that you set things aside. There's abs- and I, I think it's necessary. Let me say it this way. If you just drove your car 90 to nothing and never changed the oil, eventually the engine is going to seize. So you've got to go in for some routine maintenance. So if you'll maintain your marriage relationship on a more regular basis, you'll avoid those big, costly repair times. Because how many of you know, when your engine seizes, your car ain't going nowhere. If you'll do some regular maintenance on your marriage and consistently invest in your marriage, consistently, that's the key, regularly, consistently. It's not enough. Well, I told you 50 years ago that I married you. That's not enough. We've got to consistently make that investment. That, hey, you matter as much to me today as you did to me 13 years ago when I said I do. And in truth, she matters more to me today. She does. You know, I mean, let me just, let me. Me and Dare were having this conversation. I obviously, Dare just cut her hair off. She cut off a bunch of her hair, right? And so this is what I told her. Because she said, what do you think? And we were making jokes about it, lightly, to a degree. Is that Dara is my standard of beauty now. And so I told her, I said, on Monday of this week, I was a long-haired guy. (laughs) On Thursday, I became a shorter-haired guy. Why? Because she is my standard of beauty. I don't compare her to anybody else. I heard Jimmy Evans one time say this, is that that it's not right or fair to, um, how do you say it? Um, that That I will never compare my wife, who bears the scars of birthing my child, to a woman who didn't. It's not. It's unfair. And, and so I will never compare her. Now I think she's gorgeous. I think she's beautiful. All those things. But I will never compare her to another woman. It's, it's, it's not even right. I mean, you know, she can go pull up some, some hot shot model looking dude. Well, I don't look like him either. I, you know, I mean, quite frankly... I mean, it's unfair, and so she is my standard of beauty. And so don't fall into that comparison trap either. Amen. And hey, she's beautiful to me, but your spouse, your wife is beautiful to you, and that's your standard of beauty. 
you know. Um, and, and, and so, uh, but yeah, I mean, there are times of that. Okay, here's another one. Um, and this is the last one, I believe. But uh, it says, if we are both aggressive in swords, how do you get to the point of calming yourself enough to give kindness, especially when, when you're short-tempered? Um, I know y'all don't realize this, but Dara is quite strong in her own right. Y'all think she's just quiet and mild. And I said earlier, the girl's got a backbone. And we can get into it. I'm strong-willed. She's strong-willed. She may not be, she's not nearly as vocal as me. But we have those moments. I mean, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Well, that, yeah, it's a clash, (laughs) you know. But if we'll do it lovingly, um, then we will come out better for it in the end. And so, um, do you want to answer this one or you want me to answer it? Well, I would say you need to take a break. Um, Give it a rest. Yeah. Um, most of the time we don't we don't take the argument into the next day. But if that you know if you need to sleep on it, you need to sleep on it. Right. Um, you know you're gonna, you're going to exhaust yourself staying up forever trying to work it out. Right. It's not something that you know if you just get some sleep and then yeah. the next day when you're both at a better um, uh, place, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> to talk about it. And I think there's a misconception too. You know, the Bible talks about how uh, don't let the uh, sun go down on your wrath. You know, and in your anger. And they're like, well, we got to resolve this tonight. Well, that's not what the Bible says. It says you don't go to bed angry. Right. You don't go to bed mad about it. It doesn't mean that we've come to a conclusion or resolve the problem. But what it does say, because, and why, why does that matter? Because it says by doing that, you give a foothold to the devil. So I'm not going to be angry. I'm not going to go to bed huffing and puffing, yanking all the covers. Like, I'm mad at you. You don't get any covers tonight. Like, I mean, that's childish, quite frankly. It's foolish in another way. But we may not get to a resolve, and we may get to a point, and we've done this many times, uh, and I believe it's part of, uh, you know, and we, we are brutally honest with one another. Now, I don't mean brutally as in angry honest. But we have, and, and we haven't, for this is a number of years ago, but for a while, uh, we kind of had to help teach each other some things. And it was this, don't talk to me like that. Yeah. I'm not going to be your doormat. Yeah. Don't use that tone with me. I'm your wife, I'm not your child. You notice that was directed because she had to say that to me. Because I had to learn that, hey, my tone, that I can't talk to her like I would other people. I can't talk to her the way that I would to a guy. Why? Because she's made more delicate than me by design, by God's purpose, by God's calling on her, by God's creation. She's different. Well, but she would also sometimes get a little snippy with me and I'm like, hey, don't talk to me like that. Not, and I'm not, don't talk to me like that. <laughs> yeah, just add some, throw some gas on the fire, why don't you? Some kerosene. <laughs> no, it was Hey, we can talk, but we can't talk right now. That's the other thing that we would say, too, is that, hey, we can't talk. We can talk, but not right now. Like, you're, you're amped up, I'm amped up, and we just can't have this conversation right now. We will, but not right now. Mm-hmm. When you call a timeout, maybe I need to leave, maybe you need to go somewhere. We're not going to talk to anybody else but besides the Lord until we come back together. Um, you know, and really pray and ask the Lord. And, you know, and, and really, I mean, one of these, I mean, here's two th- simple things. If you're really good and ticked off, you can pray and pray in the Spirit. Because yeah. when you're angry, you're in the flesh. 
It's the bottom line. And you're fired up in the flesh. And, uh, you know, but the Bible says that we can actually pray in the Spirit and we would build ourselves up on our most holy faith. And so, even in those moments, and pray together. You're like, I don't want to pray with them. Good, do it anyways. Show some self-control. Show the devil that you're in control and he's not. Devil, I'm not going to let you tear us apart. We're committed to one another. Man, when you have that kind of an attitude, it will pay huge dividends. Not only that, it also communicates to your spouse that you're more important to me than me. If I'm fired up about something and it's not a big deal to her and I'm willing to say, I'll walk away. I may not say it, but I am communicating to her. She's more important than what I'm fired up about. And that's important. And, and so, um, you know, I, my hope this morning and my desire uh, is to be real and to be honest in some things. Uh, you know, concerning this because marriage is God's idea. Marriage belongs to the church. It is not a worldly idea or a worldly concept. God instituted the family. God did not do it as punishment. He did it as a blessing. He did it so that we could enjoy life, so that we would have a partner, so we would have companionship, that God called us alongside one another. And God brought your spouse into your life. And you're like, well, I don't know about that. It seems more like a curse. Our God is a redeeming God. It doesn't matter how hopeless it is. You know, and really next, um, next Sunday, Joey's going to tackle a pretty difficult subject. Um, because I know uh, even for a lot of you that it, it is uh, a reality in your life, which is divorce and remarriage. Uh, it's easy to get in condemnation and guilt and, and allow the devil to really jump all over that and to make you feel certain ways. Just because you've messed up, and even if, even if you're in your first marriage, and you're like, man, man, we've, we've screwed it up. We think we've broken this beyond repair. It's not. God is a master. He, he knows how to fix, and He knows how to repair, and God can restore. But it's when two humble people come before God and ask for help. I mean, if you're going to be married successfully, it's not prideful. I mean, my, my mom tells my dad this, you know, and, and I've heard her make the statement many times, is you can be happy or you can be right, but you can't be both. And what's she saying? Because my dad can, you know, he can get on his high horse about something, and that's what I want. You can be happy or you can be right, but you ain't going to have both. That's kind of her way of saying, telling him to kind of knock it off. Because you're getting up on my nerves. So you keep pressing, buddy. You ain't going to be happy. (laughs) You know, and and there is truth in that. But when two humble people will genuinely come before the Lord and invite Him in and say, God, that this marriage is a trinity. It is me, my spouse, and you. And when God is first place, and that's the priority. God's got to be first place in your marriage, not just in your life, in your marriage. The Bible says two have become one. Well, you've got to invite God into that place. And as you'll do the work, you know, so what I said is that great marriages is the result of two imperfect people coming together and rolling up their sleeves and doing the hard work. The most powerful words in a marriage, there's a few. But one of them is this, is I'm sorry. I'm so, and a genuine I'm sorry I'm sorry and I love you I'm committed to you those are powerful words those are healing words 
Those are restorative words. And it may be, I'm sorry for the way I talked to you. I'm sorry for the way that I've treated you. I'm sorry for something that happened 15 years ago that I never told you I'm sorry for. And I know that it's probably created a bitterness in your life. You may need to pull some skeletons out of the closet before that restoration can happen. But when you clean it out, the good news is there's grace and there's the, the, the healing of God can come. Why? Because you've put it all out there. There's nothing left in the closet. Well, we don't talk about those things. Everything's got to be on the table. Everything does. Because God wants you and, and, and you're married for God's purpose and for God's design. It's for your blessing and for your benefit. It's for your blessing for you to be married. It's not a curse. It can be. It can feel like that. I mean, if you allow it to. But can also be a great strength in your life. In the worst moments of my life, Dara was there for me. And if she wasn't, I don't know that I would have fought through it all. And sometimes I wasn't fighting for me. I was fighting for her. That I didn't quit. That I didn't stop doing certain things. That I wanted to be better. That I wanted to get over my jealousy. Because I saw what my sin, the price she was paying for my sins. Because of my past, I was causing her to pay for my mistakes. And it motivated me to say, God, I need healed. And I need to be better. And I knew that for us to have a better marriage, it required for me to be honest with God about myself. And to say, okay, Lord, I trust you.